0: I didn't mind the late-night talks that promised the sun and the
1: moon. Welcome to a Neon Jazz interview with Tampa based singer Lisa Casalino. Originally from Long Island, she has established a glowing reputation in Florida, and her name now is the Songbird of Tampa. She discusses her teaching career, decision to go with music full-time, her latest album, "I'm Old Fashioned," that was funded through Kickstarter. What is next in her career, and how she will be described twenty years from right now, along with much, much more. Dig it. Let's go ahead and start at the top here. You grew up in Long Island. How did that mold your love of jazz? Well, I didn't really get into
0: jazz until much later. As far as like my favorite style of music, it wasn't something I I started doing so, until um, I had to kind of. I've had an niche of my own for my career. And you know, I was singing, I mean, you know, I went to school for music, and I'm you know, classically trained. But growing up, you know, I liked, my parents had um, a jukebox, and then all these 45 records, and my dad listened to duop music all the time. Sure.
1: My mother, my mother played guitar for us, and she would sing to us.
0: Um, and so I just kind of grew up loving that song of music. And then, um, you know, as I got older, I guess just, I really liked what was trendy and, and pop and musicals. I loved Broadway musicals. And as an adult, when I got into these bands, I was part of a house band, you know, wedding bands, things like that. And then there wasn't just, there wasn't a lot of work. And so I started singing at nursing homes. And that's kind of when I really, you know, brought in my repertoire of, of that style of music of jazz standards. And realized that that's really when my voice was fast and just continued on that route, um, and started doing more gigs like that, and then eventually hiring bands and to accompany me, and that's pretty much how it evolved.
1: So how, when did you start singing?
0: Well, I had a few gigs, um, in college, but, uh, basically probably back in 1997, 98. Okay. In 1998, I started singing professionally, you know, part-time, those types of things, just joined a, a duo or a trio, or sat in with a band here and there. Gotcha. And then full, yes, and then singing full time. Um, I was singing full time for a long time, and then I just decided to drop everything else. So I was singing full time and teaching and selling real estate, and then um, there was enough work to just kind of just sing.
1: You grew up in New York, moved to Florida. Do you miss New York?
0: I do. I mean, I, I go back and visit as much as I can. Um, but I came down to I came down to Florida because there was a brand new high school opening. I had a music degree in, you know, the teaching. And so it was just a great opportunity to come down and open a brand new school
1: and start my own program. Good deal. So you went to the Crane School of Music. I did. What did they teach you?
0: Well, the Crane School of Music, I went for education. So we, there was a little bit of performance that you had to accomplish, you know, um, they were called levels. You had to perform songs for a panel of judges. But at the Crane School of Music, we taught, um, music theory, you know, we were taught music theory, um, conducting, composing, classroom skills. I, mean, I was in college a long time ago, so I'm trying to remember what I took. Sure. <laughs> it's just, you know, yeah, it's, uh, it's, just, it's a great school for education, first and foremost, uh, classroom colleges, and then the Korean School of Music was just, a, I mean, the, the educators there were amazing, best in their field.
1: Speaking of education, you were in public education for eight years and decided to go into music full-time. What made you decide to get out of education to pursue music?
0: Um, you know what? Because I just, I really wanted to, it wasn't so much that I was just going to pursue music and singing. I mean, I wanted singing with a band, but only on the weekend. I just kind of was, I loved teaching. I loved it so much that when I started to not love it as much, I kind of got a little burned out, you know, I started teaching when I was 21 and, you know, I had a, I had a job in New York, I actually taught more than eight years, you know, I was, I was teaching in New York for a year before that. So, um, it just kind of got to the point where I wanted to try other things and see what I could do. I turned 31 and was like, you know, I'm just not giving it a thousand percent like I always did. And the kids deserve better and I deserve better.
1: Absolutely. So...
0: Yeah, so I just kind of thought, you know, if I if I love teaching, and I did actually go back you know, to do part time teaching afterwards, mm-hmm. um, and you know, the Catholic school for the little ones, not the high school kids, but um, it just got to be where it wasn't really teaching as much as it was discipline, and you know, getting nice like, test teaching, and all these other little things that when you go to school, like for instance, you said when they teach you at principal music, they don't teach you about fundraising and. You know, all these all these little things that, you know, that you don't realize you have to do as a music teacher. You know, opening a new program and so it's just kind of I love to teach, I love being with the kids, teaching them the music, rehearsing, performing, all that stuff. But it seemed like that was kind of pushed aside with everything else going on and the school system taking up you know, our attention,
1: I guess. So now, you're a singer, you're a professional singer, and it, it's, yeah. on the website, it said uh, you, you say that you're the songbird of Tampa. How did that name come about? You know, I don't, I, it
0: just kind of, somebody called me, oh, she's a songbird. Somebody called me that, and then people, I just keep hearing it over and over and over again, and it's just, I don't know if it's the, the tone of my voice, or just the way that I present myself, and, you know, I, I, I I certainly have um, established a look, a style. People know what to expect. You know, okay. I'm a constant professional. Every time I go out there, I, just, I give it, you know, like I said, a thousand percent. I'm always, you know, trying to do my best to have a great show. And I don't know. I just, somebody just calls me Fun and everyone else just kind of calls me Fun Word. It's hearing it over and over again. So,
1: Let me ask you yeah. this. Before we get into your album talking about I'm Old Fashioned. <laughs> Can you lie? Can you lie to me in French before we begin?
0: <laughs> Maybe. Funny <laughs> <So laughs> title, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it's cool. I like it. I like it. The thing that I really find interesting with a lot of jazz musicians these days, and musicians in general, is you get these albums funded by Kickstarter. I'm, I, I'm, a, that, that's what happened with this album, correct? Yes, that was. The beauty of that is. Up front, you already have a fan base. It used to be you would get fans after you release material. What's it feel like to have that kind of support and then to get more support after you've already got that initial uh, buy in by the fans? It, you know
0: what? It's really amazing, I will tell you, because the whole process of Kickstarter was, um, you know, there's a, it's, it was awesome because it was successful, but it's such a difficult thing to do. You know, it was a very stressful 30-day period for me, but every time I got a notification that someone backed my project, it was so heartwarming, and I was overwhelmed with the support, and and there were a, a, a few naysayers, you know, that, that you know, were little hiccups in the road, but it only just encouraged me to try harder, you know, no pun intended, but kick it up a notch,
1: sure. and
0: you have to really be dedicated to that, because you can tell someone about it, but you have to you know, to get it out to the masses. And, and there was there was a lot of strong support from many, many people that I knew. Um, I had over 220 people support this project. Sure. But some of them I never met. Some of them I, I never knew. Some of them just had, had heard about me or had seen it and, and were very generous. Um, you know, and of course, when I when I did reach my goal, it was, I, I was actually, um, I was driving somewhere and I was at a stoplight and I got a little, notification, I looked down, and I was like, I think I just reached my goal. I pulled over. You know, because I wanted, to, I wanted to read what it said, and it was just a of relief, and it really did, and it's, like you said, it just it makes me feel like, you know, I'm doing something right. You know, these people love my music, and they want to see me do well, and, you know, I think that's true, you know, for um, you know, a lot of people that go out there every day and, and do what they love to do and, and get involved with the community, and You know, it's it's a long process. This is something I could not have done five years ago. This is something I don't think I could have done two years ago. Sure. You know, it's kind of, I didn't record, my first record came out in in 2011. I I don't think I was at the place where I could have, you know, relied on community support and group funding. And then I finally, um, you know, I I needed this record out now. I didn't have the funds to to do it. And I was just kind of like, you know, an all or nothing. That's why I like Kickstarter as opposed to like IndieGoGo. Or fund GoFundMe, those other ones where you don't have to reach your goal with right. your money. Sure. I like this one because it's accountability. Yeah. It's like, all right, so you didn't raise whatever you didn't raise your fifteen thousand. You raised twelve. I mean, you're not going to make a record. What are you going to do with that money? Yeah. Shopping, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and I actually, I actually went over that. I mean, that was my that was my goal, but actually, you know, as you know, it costs nothing ever costs that you think it's going to. It's always going to be more. And so, you know, I did self invest as well. You know, always doing that, but. It was, it was a wonderful feeling, and then afterwards, I did a CD release concert, and it was sold out, and, I mean, just showing the, you know, it's just, it does, it's amazing. It really is the most amazing feeling, because, like I said, people really believe in you, and, and it was, what was really sweet was that everyone that contributed, they all felt like they were a part of it, and they really were a part of it. Yeah. So when I was delivering, and sending out the CDs, and people were taking pictures with the CD, and putting it on Facebook, and Twitter, and... No, you they, they, they all are a part of this. Honestly, this record would not have happened if it wasn't for everybody contributing and getting behind me and supporting me and making me feel like, you know, it, it, what I'm doing, you know, makes makes the day brighter. You know?
1: Yeah, so, absolutely. That's great. So talk to me about the process of making this album. The songs, kind of the creative gusto that went into this.
0: It's, it's kind of interesting. When I'm in between records, I don't really write at all. So mm-hmm. now I know I have a project to... Two, I, all of a sudden, the creative juices start flowing, and I start writing, and um, I work with a, a guy named Nate Najar, who's a guitar player. He's fantastic, mm-hmm. and we're really good friends, and he lives near me. He lives in St. Petersburg, and so we worked together on my first record, and we actually wrote a song before that first record for a short film. That was our first songwriting experience together. I usually come up with the lyrics and the melody. Yeah. And then Nate will arrange it and come up with the chord progression, um, make it jazzy. And then we kind of fine-tune it from there. And so um, this second project, the second record we did, I said, Nate, I need to do a record. I started writing some songs. And basically, we'll he'll come over, I'll go over to this place, and we'll sit down, and I'll sing a little bit of the melody. Or if I don't really have a melody, but I have some lyrics, I have an idea, I'll say I want it to kind of sound like this. So I want it to have this kind of a feel. Or, you know, this is going to have a, a, you know, a Latin feel. It's going to have, this is a wall. Or I want to sound like Gershwin. Or these lyrics are like, you know, Cole Porter. So I want it to be fun and different. And, and that's kind of how we, we just kind of play around with it. And it happens really, really quickly, honestly.
1: Yeah.
0: It's almost like we can have a song done in 20 minutes. So. Yeah, I mean, and, and we work well together, I, I think. Yeah, so that's basically how it works. And then um, we decide, you know, the first record I had three, we had three original tunes, and the Marshall Standard. And then this, this record, I said I wanted to have more original tunes. I, my goal is to work it up to all being original music. And that's a difficult thing, especially in the jazz world, because people want to hear what's familiar and what they know. And, you know, it's not, you know, pop radio where continually trying something new you're trying to you're
1: trying to channel into an older style
0: but with new music sure i'm, I'm trying to describe that correctly i don't
1: know no no that's that's perfect absolutely and i
0: think we do i think we do a good job if I say by myself
1: i don't know it's a wonderful yeah. album
0: but I, thank you yeah when i sing the songs at my gigs, people don't know if it's a standard or if it's new you know it's kind of nice and it's just kind of no one looks like, oh, that's different. What's that?
1: Like, why is she changing the format? You know? Yeah. So kind of nice. Yeah, that's cool. So, you yeah. per, you perform all around the Tampa area. Uh, I noticed yeah. you perform in New York. Do you perform anywhere else around the United States? Well,
0: that's my goal, actually, is to do that, to start touring. Um, you know, it's, I, I book about 99% of the stuff that I do here in Tampa. And then, um, you know, when I go up to New York, I do that as well. So, trying to get my name out there and, and getting myself in other venues and doing jazz festivals, that, and that's my goal. And I'm I'm hoping to connect with, you know, a manager or a booking agent or someone who can,
1: you know, open those doors for me. It's really hard. Yeah. That's what and I hear. The, yeah.
0: to knock on the door of the people that have never heard you and you know, they always want can you draw a crowd here locally? Can you draw a crowd here locally? Well, I need to be there and you know, I'm not sure, you know, that's why I'm glad for this interview. Yes. You know, that maybe
1: someone Absolutely. in
0: the city going to want to say, hey, you know what, let's book her here.
1: Without a doubt. So,
0: I mean, right. And so that's why, you know, when when you when I do the record, I invest in getting it out on the radio airwaves and just hoping people hear it. And people are hearing it. I mean, I get I got it all, all over the world. I sent an email from someone over in Netherlands that was like, I love your music, can I get an autograph photo? You know, and
1: it's just nice, you know, which,
0: to have
1: that. So. Which, it's funny, that's the perfect segue into my next question, which is this. What's the nicest thing a fan has ever said to you? Um,
0: um you know what, I, I don't know if I can, I mean, I've had so many nice compliments and, and emails out of the blue and people sending me things saying, we love your music, we love your style, and... You know, I do, I do music videos and, and people respond positively to those. But I, I'm trying to think of, like, it's not really, a, it's not really the nicest thing or maybe a, a compliment, but it's an experience where I'll be singing a song at a regular gig or and, you know, someone will come up to me afterwards and say, you know, that was my mother's favorite song. And you sang it so beautifully. And they have, like, these, you know, bittersweet tears in their eyes. Or when I was singing at the nursing homes and, you know, a woman who never you know, got out of the chair stands up, you know, and holds on to leaning, uh, you know, a rail to lean on, but she's standing because the music inside in her, kind of, because that's, that's what the beauty of this music is. I sing a lot for World War II veterans, and I take them back to those, the war days, and, you know, when they were younger, and they just, it's, uh, it connects on a different level, I think. You know, when, like, for me, as, as a kid in the 80s, you know, if I hear a song from the 80s, it takes me back, you know, to middle school or whatever, and it's the same feeling for them, but, you know. This music is just the lyrics and the melodies. It really brings up a lot of emotion. Absolutely. Uh, I sang for uh, Manchester One Hundred <laughs> last year. One hundred, you know, he was born a year
1: after the Titanic sank, and a year before World War One. Wow! Know? Yeah. Crazy, right? That, that Crazy. is, that's nuts. Yeah, for sure. And I'm singing songs that you know. I remember. I think I
0: sing a song. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of it now. Cause it's gonna. I'm losing my, you know, it's in my mind, but I can't remember it. It was a song that came out in 1913. And I think it was, was it You, was it you Made Me Love You? It was that, yeah. I didn't want to do it, that song.
1: Um, it was a song, that I researched it to find out what song
0: was popular the year he was born. <laughs> nice. Very so, nice. That's you know, cool. That? But, yeah, it was really cool.
1: Yeah, that's good stuff. So. So, speaking about your sound, on Reverb Nation, it said you sound like Diana Craw, Billie Holiday, Sarah Vaughn, Dinah Washington, Nora Jones, and Billie Holiday. So, when you hear that, and you think about it, what, w- w- how do you feel you sound? I mean, you have a very unique voice and a very unique sound. Tell me what you think about it. I think
0: that's a misnomer. You know, for Reverb Nation, when they say sounds like, I think they're more like, it sounds like the style of this kind of music that this person saying. Yeah. I don't really think it means I sound like anybody. Right. Um, you know, I don't, I, you know, we all are our own worst critics, you know, mm-hmm. and when I hear my voice sometimes, I think oh, probably it sounds like me, you know, and other times I think, oh, I wish I could work on, you know, my vibrato. I know my vibrato is very distinctive. You know, I have a pitch and, um, you know, intonation, those things I don't really worry about too much. Um, but it's the other things where people are used to hearing that, you know, uh, synthesized or overworked or, you know, over-processed vocals, you know, and, and we, I try to keep my record as authentic as it can possibly be, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's the one track on the song, on the, on the record called Is That On The Menu, it's a three-part harmony song we wrote in the song of, like, an Andrew Sisters tune, and we're we're all on the same microphone. Yeah. You know we didn't use separate mics we you know we we're all singing on the same mic and just using the whole blending you yeah. know to to get that sound so, sure you know if you're not used to that if, if you're so used to the other classic stuff that you're hearing with other thousand music then it's it's really out there so it's pretty much like i say we record performances live performances that's basically what we're doing here yeah. um you know so i don't you know i know that as, as a singer who who's I think most people, if they ever have to, you know, really work as a musician, they're always doing other people's music. Yeah. And so you start to pick up other people's stylists, and then trying to come into your own and finding where your voice really fits is really important. I don't want to sound like anybody else. You know, I do want to sound like me. Yeah. And so I, I you know, I, but there are things you can always improve on your craft. But yeah. You can always improve on your vocal quality. Absolutely. And that's, why, and that's what I try to do, you know, with this record. You know, it's a lot more, um, my first record, you know, out there, I'm very proud of that one, and this one as well, I love this record, I love the songs on this record, uh, more so than the ones on the last one, and, um, you know, the next record, which I'm already, it's funny, because I'm already, having an idea of the next record, I have fun ideas, and, you know, this one's only the month. month. <laughs> yeah <sure. laughs> not even, and uh, I, I'm like, All right, I need to go back in, because, you know, I, I, I think that, I think that derives from the outpouring of support from everybody.
1: Yeah. Moving at the speed of life, yeah. for sure. Um, so, speaking of musicians and singers, if you could go back in time and meet one jazz musician from any era, who would it be, and what would you want to ask him?
0: It's
1: hard. Yeah.
0: That's where I'm I get to edit this. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I mean, you know, Probably, for different reasons. I mean, I have all these different singers that I, you know, that I would love to talk to, and and more so for different reasons. And and probably not even for their music reasons. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, Alina Horn, you know? I mean, just despite the fact that she had those barriers to break and and just sitting in and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, I love uh, Frank Sinatra. I mean, who would want to meet him? But i probably just want to ask him to have a drink with me, you know? Yep, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, know, that
1: sort of
0: thing. Yeah. You know, um, that's a hard
1: one. Yeah. You
0: know, I just... Uh, that's a good question.
1: I'll have to get back to you on that one. Okay.
0: I don't want to answer that, you know. But I just can't really pick one right now. That's totally... That's I don't total, know. For me, for me, when I was, you know, as a jazz singer now, you know, those singers that I just kind of revere, you know, and listen to her and think, wow, they, you know, I Holiday is just, you know, and her voice is just so different from anybody else. And when you hear it right away, you know
1: it's her. Yeah. I love
0: that about her.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, in, in about 20 years from now, you, you, when you're really, really into your career and you've got some mileage behind you, what do you want people to say about you?
0: People to say that I would, I have, but this is the thing, and this is what people, I say this every single day with me trying to take my career to the next level and, and Lisa, it's a competitive world, it's doggy dog, bug, you're not in your 20s anymore. And I, you know, and, and if I think about relocating to, you know, New York or LA or, just, you know, a bigger city, and which I do see happening, you know, yeah. and I just, I, I say, I want them to say, you know, Lisa, always stay true to herself. I don't have an agenda where I'm not the kind of person of what can I, what can you do for me? Like everyone's like, everyone out there, you know, what can you do for me sort of mindset. I just do what comes naturally. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't think, I mean, I I feel like if I had a little bit more of that, you know, cutthroat business mentality, you know, I'd be a little, little bit further on in my career, but I just do what feels good, what feels right. And everything comes from a very genuine place. And it's been working for me so far. So I don't really see the point in changing that. Right on. But I think I just, want, I just want people to be like, you know, Mita was a good person, and she loves her friends, she loves her family, and she loves staying and perform. And I mean, you know, someone I quote someone, I don't remember who said it, but I never met a musician who regretted what they did for a living. <laughs> and that's true. I mean, we basically have the best job in the world, you know, and, and keeping it going is, is the difficult part, but... I think if you do it honestly with integrity, you know, it, one of my favorite quotes, and I actually just posted it um, on my Facebook page. I'm trying to find it right now. It was a, um, I mean, I just posted it. A quote, it's actually an elephant shell quote. Yeah. And it said, just don't give up on trying to do what you really want to do. But there is love and inspiration. I don't think you can go wrong.
1: Right on. That's the <laughs> truth. Yeah, that's great. Um, so I think you answered my question, but my next one was, do you live with any regrets? Uh,
0: I think I don't, I, if I have any, they're fleeting. Yeah. Because I don't really think it's good to, you know, like to dwell on those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you this. I People commend me for saying, you know, you left teaching a very solid career, like, you know, um, security to just go say... And, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And I feel like you give me too much credit because as a single person, no, know, you don't have to worry about other people and supporting them. It's just basically yourself. Mm-hmm. But, and as a teacher, you weren't making a lot of money. So I'm like, I was leaving a six-figure income. Right. But now, now I look back as I'm older, and, I, you know, you get a little, bit, a little bit more afraid and timid, and you're like, Oh, you know, I guess every time I, I want to do something, something stops me. It's, it's not really an excuse, but maybe a reason. But I feel like all of it revolves around the fear, the fear of change or the fear of, you know, failure or the fear of whatever. And I and I just keep thinking, you know what, Lisa, there's nothing to fear. Just go and do your thing. Yeah. You know, you've got nothing to lose. And so I guess the only thing I would say is, and to anyone, I, I was just having this conversation with a girlfriend of mine who's a phenomenal singer. Mm-hmm. Like, don't wait until you're my age to do something. Do it now, yeah. you know, and so that's why, like, with this, with this second record, and there are big changes coming up in my life, I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and do it
1: now. Yeah, right on. Right yeah. on. L- let me ask you this, before this interview, what's the last song or album you listened to?
0: Actually, I um, just supported two other friends, or people on, on Kickstarter, mm-hmm. so I, I got their CDs, so I was just listening to them in the car.
1: Cool. Very nice.
0: Yeah. Something new. Yeah. It's kind of interesting yeah, But I, it's funny because I bought a, a turntable. Uh huh. It's like a record player, CD player, um, cassette, player. And I have all of these old records. Yeah. Um, that I got at the uh, Army Navy store. Yeah. I have a Johnny Mathis record. Yeah. But he signed it because wow. I actually sang. I sang it at dinner at the Ruth record Hall in Clearwater. Uh-huh. They have concerts, and I was booked to sing at the dinners before a couple of the concerts. One was Harry Connick Jr., and another one was Johnny Mathis. Right on. And yeah, and so I have a Johnny Mathis record album, and he signed it. Lisa with all my love. So it's actually sitting right here. That's
1: cool. <laughs> yeah, when I was when I was growing up, we had one box of LPs, and that was Johnny Mathis was all over the place in there. That was uh, that was the guy at the time for sure. But yeah, those those vinyl albums have a charm all their own. To hear that old analog, Honey, just coming out of those speakers is really nice. Oh, I love it.
0: Yeah, and this, this place has so many great ones. I mean, it has a soundtrack to, I have it's Walt Disney Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, you know, the sound music, I have the soundtrack to uh, Fame, and a couple of Bob Shry-Zen
1: ones, too. Right on. Yeah. And
0: Dick Clark, 20 years of rock and roll. Really went all
1: out. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's very cool. It seems like this interview, every every answer is led perfectly into the next uh, question that I have. So, my final question for you is why are you old fashioned? Um,
0: that's a good question. I don't, you know what? I guess you have this next boyfriend of mine. At least you live in La La Land. You know, like, it's not the movies. It's not, and I'm like, why can't, why can't it be that way? Like, why can't romance... Happen, you know, and why can't it be? Mm-hmm. I mean, it can. You know, you can make your world however you want. I mean, you can say you're delusional, you can say <laughs> you know, but yeah. for me, I, I just, I am, I, you know, living in a modern world as an old fashioned person, it kind of does have its birth because people gravitate towards it. I really yeah. think they do. They like it because they, they think it, they see that it's genuine. Yeah. And there is no agenda. And it's just kind of how I am, and, 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 and it revolves even, the, you know, it hasn't, I don't know if it was the music or if it was my style or what kind of set into the other one. but, you know, I do dress the part, like, as long as I actually kind of dress the part when I'm not. You know, I, 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 I do have an old fashion, I love old movies, and I love, you know, the, the old music, and I love the, the vintage style, and, um, I don't know, I'm, I, maybe I'm an old soul, you know, I, was born, yeah. I was born a couple of decades too late.
1: Sure. Very cool. Uh-huh. Very nice. That's a great way to end the interview. Lisa, thank you very much.
0: Hi, Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest singers and jazz players around the country in Florida, Missouri, and places all over. And thanks to Lisa for her time and insight into her craft. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. And for all things Neon Jazz, visit the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the music, my friend. Friends.
0: You lie to me in Friend Neon Jazz.